0: All right, this is Wednesday night, October the 12th. And we finished up James, and I'm going to, this is gonna be a transition uh, night, and I've got a request of what we might be able to do next, and I haven't had a chance to really get into that and prepare anything, but I was trying to figure out exactly what to go to uh, to make it work out better, but what I want to do tonight is spend some time talking about the trip I made Tuesday morning up to the Pregnancy Resource Center and some new verses that I added to the list that I gave you guys in Sunday school. So I, have, I found three more that match up as far as a key word that's in all of those verses. And I want to share those verses with you. I want to talk a little bit about the trip that I want, that I took up there. We we need to be and I, and I wanted it to be on a podcast, you know, I want it to be out there. What what I'm getting ready to say. You know, we're instructed in the word of God to be the church out in the world, not just when we come together. And there's different things that each one of us might have uh, An interest in maybe a calling toward there's each one of us have the uh, ability to go out and do things and then there's things that we do as a church together that we try to do together so uh, the pregnancy Resource Center is something that I am, am very passionate about and I was very happy to sign up to go up there so I went to the Radford office it is right beside Radford University and it's an older house that has been converted over to a clinic so I, I went up there at 9 there was three ladies working I'm pretty sure it was Donna Mindy and Sarah I'm pretty sure and Donna Uh, took me around I hope I'm saying the names right but she she took me on a tour throughout the whole place they used the basement they used the main level as the entrance waiting room uh, the desk that's behind glass and then there's a kitchen there's offices for each lady that works there there's a room for an exam room upstairs there's a room for counselors. They've got it all. It's, it is decorated beautifully. It has uh, just everything as neat as it could be. Down in the basement is where they, where they bring in donations. And there's a room where they, go, they sort through them. There's a whole other room that has pretty much all diapers in there. And then a classroom. There's a classroom down there but very impressive place. And they told me that I really need to uh, plan a trip to the Blacksburg location because it is totally different. I saw the brand new ultrasound machine that was sitting downstairs. And they are waiting for the people who are going to come and carry it upstairs and and change it out. So they still have the old one upstairs being used now. But the new one is there. I think the one in Blacksburg is probably already up and running. so, they, every morning when they come in, somewhere between 9 and 9.30, the, the people who are working, they will go into the kitchen, and they just stand in the kitchen, and then they'll, they'll pray. Each one of them will pray. So, I went over with them the, the verses that we talked about here not that long ago, and I gave most of you a handout. We made copies of it. So those were Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Just in case someone's listening uh, and wanted to know what I'm talking about, uh, you can look up Psalm 139, 13 through 16, talking about the baby being formed in the mother's womb, talking about how it is not complete, but that it gets that way over time. Uh, Isaiah 49, verses 1, and then you can skip to verse 5. After you read 1, you can skip down to verse 5. Uh, The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. Uh, That was verse 5. So, while, the, while Isaiah was in the womb, God made mention of his name. And from the womb to be his servant. The next one, Jeremiah 1, is very similar to that. Before I formed, this is the very beginning of uh, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Read both of those. Now what I have wrote down here may not be all of four. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I had ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So again, he knew Jeremiah, God knew Jeremiah, and he set him apart and actually ordained him while he was in the womb to be a prophet to the nations. So <clears throat> I skipped over 139 because I knew those girls knew that one really well. That's one of their main verses. And so I shared with them Isaiah 49, uh, Jeremiah one and then I talked about Luke Luke 41 which was the story. I don't have the verse wrote out here, but that's just where you go to see the example of a baby leaping in, in his mother's womb. John the Baptist leaped in the womb of Elizabeth. Now, if you back up to verse, I think it's 36... It says, Gabriel was telling Mary about how her cousin Elizabeth has conceived a clump of cells. Is that, you think that's what it says in there? Your cousin Elizabeth has conceived a son. Not a mass of tissue or a clump of cells, but a son. So we talked about that. Uh, Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. There's in forty one and forty four. There's the word the babe leaped in my womb. The babe, All right? That that word that was translated from the Greek is uh, brefos. Bri- It's B-R-E-P-H-O-S, briefos, I guess, I don't know. And I I told them, I don't like bringing up the Greek. Most pastors do that, so you'll be like, ooh, oh, you're so smart. But in this case, if you go to the Greek where where it says babe, that was the Greek word. Well, if you go to 2 Timothy... Chapter 3, verse 15, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That word child, if you look at the Greek word, the same word. So God doesn't see a difference between a child. And the babe that was in the womb. Now isn't that interesting? So the three new verses that I, I found, I copied them down, and you have to, and you can double check, uh, I did not go back and, and proof myself to make sure I didn't make any mistakes writing down numbers, but Psalm 71, Verses 5 and 6. For Thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. By Thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art He that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of Thee. So, I would assume that would be David speaking. There, it's in Psalm. Don't know for sure, but I'm just assuming. Okay, here's here's a new one. Here's a new person. So we've mentioned David, goes goes 139. Uh, that's uh, David. Um, we got Isaiah. We got Jeremiah. We've got the mother of our Lord, Mary. We have Elizabeth. These. All these people are talking about what God has said about them or what has happened to them personally. Now we have something from Paul. This is Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son which is Jesus, in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And then Psalm 127, verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Womb is the key word. So now I have seven... Different places for that for that list. So I wanted to share that with you guys. And, oh, when, when I got done, of course we we prayed, and then before I could leave, uh, Donna said, "Yeah, I, I was telling her about making copies of that page and how we were." you know, the, the why we did it to begin with. And she said, yeah, I would like to have a copy. And I said, you want to make a copy? She said, I would love to. So I gave her those two pieces of paper, and she went in, made copies of it, and then she brought it back, and she said, you got really nice handwriting. Because <laughs> I told him, I'm like, I'm old-fashioned. I write everything. And I, I mean, I, I, w- I was writing those other three really fast. I, I was surprised she said I had good handwriting. I don't see it. But I guess because she could read it, it was good. And then I just, while I was going through all of that, I just made mention of three different key places in Proverbs. And I just mentioned each. So, But we're going we're gonna to read them and maybe even get a little bit of insight from, the, uh, from this commentary here. So, one, to always remember... This is, write this down in your notes. You, you want to remember Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, which says, These six things doeth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. That's the key part right there hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. So those things, so there's, there's two that are, that are in the same category. I think that's why when it says, and you see it throughout Proverbs, you'll see, and these six things and seven... It's like, well, which is it? Is it six or is it seven? Well, if you count them, it's going to be seven. But a lying tongue and, and, and a false witness that speaketh lies, you could that's two different types of lying. But the main thing that we're looking at here is the shedding. God hates it and says it's an abomination. Hands that shed innocent blood. Now, there is varying ways that that can happen. Anybody who is innocent in any stage of life that is killed by someone, that's shedding of innocent blood. But when you take a baby in the womb, then that's definitely innocent blood. The most innocent. The most innocent. So out of this commentary, uh, hands that shed innocent blood, every human life is, uh, is of infinite value to God. He proved this by paying an infinite price at Calvary for our redemption. The institution of capital punishment, which was uh, out of Genesis 9-6, reflects God's attitude toward murder. So if someone was to kill an innocent person, then that person had to pay with his life. The punishment was death because they murdered an innocent person. But if they were able to get to a city of refuge, you couldn't couldn't touch them. But if they didn't get away, then they would die. The next place in Proverbs is in 24. Verse 10 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou, verse 11, If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain. So if you, if your strength, you're in a really bad situation, the day of adversity, and you see... Innocent people, and you don't do anything about it, to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not. Doeth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doeth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works?" So when you do nothing, when you see a great injustice being done, you might talk about how you don't like it, but if you don't do something to stop it, then your excuses don't matter to God. You have to stand up and do something about when people are being led to their deaths, ready to be slain. But a lot of times, when, when things get tough, when, you, when you're up against adversity, you will cower, turn, and run, and just hide and do nothing. All right, that was, oh, wow. Again, I haven't read this, so I just, yeah, this is, but it did pop into my mind. When I read that, this, this right here popped into my mind, what he's saying in this uh, Bible believer's commentary. He says, When innocent people are being led off to gas chambers, ovens, and other modes of execution, when unborn babies are destroyed in abortion clinics, it is inexcusable to stand by and not seek to rescue them. It is also useless to plead ignorance. Uh, as Dante said, I don't know who Dante is, but he does. The hottest places in hell are reserved for those who, in a time of great moral crisis, maintain their neutrality. Does this have a voice for those of us who are believers? and who are entrusted with the good news of salvation. Men and women are dying without Christ. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. That's, That's the famous Jesus talking to the woman at the well in John 4. Dare we remain neutral. Did you see the latest news... Of the horrible, devilish demon governor of California. His name is Gavin Newsom. And he rented out or, or paid for billboards in other major cities in America, in the states that restrict abortion. He purposely went into those states and bought billboard space. And on the billboards, it says, you can come to California, and we will help you with killing your baby. And he didn't say it that way. But we will accept you in California. You can have abortions in California. And they had... I. I wouldn't be surprised if Gavin Newsom is struck down by God Almighty anytime because he quoted scripture on the billboards. He quoted out of, I think it was Mark, where Jesus was saying the two greatest uh, commandments. Now they leave out the first one, but they put the second one on there, uh, to love your neighbor as yourself they put that on the billboard quoting Jesus along with killing unborn babies that is the scariest thing i think i've ever seen he's going to die and go to hell for sure if he doesn't change his ways and and he, i heard he he grew up a catholic which you know they're supposed to be very protective of unborn babies. So was our president. He was supposedly a Catholic, in name only. So John MacArthur put out a special message, and I just listened to it this morning, and he was pleading for Gavin Newsom to repent and to look for salvation in Jesus Christ because he needed it in a worse sort of way. Because he said, you know, John MacArthur was saying, you know, in California, we can do nothing politically. It's just you go vote, it means nothing. They go vote, but it never works out. They had a chance to get rid of him in a recall election, and, and Gavin Newsom still won it. So they're, they're, their hands are tied, but they go to the Lord and pray that things will be changed. When prophets of God, if you read through your Bible, when you read all the places Paul went to, a whole lot of bad things happen, especially throughout the Old Testament. When you see a person that was very evil, whether it be a king, a pharaoh in Egypt... And their heart gets harder and harder, and we pray for those people. The prophets spoke the word of God to them, and very, very seldom did anybody ever change for the good, even in the New Testament. Pilate doomed. Herod, Herod doomed. His sons doomed. We were just uh, mentioning King Agrippa, almost, but doomed. Very few times do you see somebody that changes for the good when they are extremely evil. You know, I've been talking about, for whatever reason, talking about Hezekiah, and I've mentioned this several, this will sound really familiar to you, to you he prayed that God would give him those extra 15 years, and then what came out of those 15 years? A couple years into that extra 15 years, he had a son who became the worst king ever. Did so many things that were hideous. He was led away in the captivity, going to Babylon. He they put hooks, hooks in his flesh. Y'all remember reading any of that? Hooks in his flesh and pulled him with ropes all the way to Babylon. Can you imagine how miserable he... He deserved every bit of it, for what he did. But in his humiliation and the pain and suffering and all of that was because of what he did. The Bible says because of the evil things that that king did, whether you were innocent, had done nothing wrong to deserve the captivity, it was all because of him that all those people were led. All those people were murdered. All those people were led into, into captivity. It was because of him. But at the very end, he repented. And nobody would say, okay, we'll forgive you. But God did. No person, unless they were... Miraculously changed by God to have a forgiving spirit. We're all supposed to be that way. We're supposed to pray for those who are extremely evil. It's very hard to pray for somebody like Gavin Newsom, but we should do it. We should pray for everybody who's who's being extremely evil. We should pray for them. So we, we get a good lesson. Out of that story of Manasseh, and by the end of his miserable, wretched life, he did turn. Uh, can you think of some other people that that actually turned? In in you know, most most kings just just died. They were evil men and they never turned. But think of hmm? Nebuchadnezzar, evil, evil king, did horrible things would heat up a furnace, what, seven times hotter than it's supposed to be, and throw in uh, three Hebrew dudes that wouldn't bow to an idol. That's the things that he did. Horrible things. And then, you know what God did to him? He basically turned him into a crazy man that, that walked around on all fours and ate grass out of a field. and It, it was like seven years he did that. And he... Bow down to the one true God. So I think Nebuchadnezzar was saved the way Old Testament people were saved back in the day. Uh, who, who was another one? Think about Jonah going to Nineveh. They all repented, that evil king there. He put on sackcloth and sat in ashes and he just he told everybody to repent, eat nothing. and I mean, you see it every now and then. So we get, en- we get enough in the, in the Bible that shows us that it can happen. It can happen. Evil people can change if we take the word to them. What about in the New Testament? Very good. She said Paul, doing evil things, but yet he was converted. What led up to it? I mean, we know that he got knocked off his horse and blinded, but was something going on inside of him to where he immediately would recognize what was happening to him? Stephen had preached an unbelievable, awesome message. It was so good. Stephen was so... He touched the people so much so that they carried him outside and stoned him to death. And Paul was standing there, watching it all happen, holding the clothes of the people who were throwing, because they didn't want to get blood splattered at all. That was a very vicious thing, to stone somebody. You take a good-sized rock, and you get close enough to where you can hit them. You want to hit them. You don't want to miss, so you get close enough to hit them, and when you hit them in the head, the blood flew. And they would get blood all over them, so they would take their outer clothes off and hand them to somebody so so that they not want to get them all messed up. And he, I bet you he heard that sermon, and then he watched Stephen with rocks bouncing off of his head, looking up into heaven with this smile on his face, and asking the Lord to forgive everybody who was stoning him. Forgive him, And Paul's standing there watching all of this. And, you know, I, I've said in the past, I think his heart was pricked. I think he was touched. And then, I, you know, I've had people say, oh, no, no, because he went out and did it even. He, he went out and was even rougher and tougher, and he was, had more zeal to go after the Christians. And I'm like, exactly, you're proving my point. Why did he go out even more and more vicious? Because something happened to him that day. It's either people turn and, and start to repent or they get even worse trying to, trying to squash this thing that's happening to them. It's, and, and like I said way back then, this is years ago, it's the people who are indifferent. That it doesn't change them at all, it's the ones that I'm worried about. But when I see somebody get really mad at something I preach, I'm like, yes. They're being touched. If it wasn't getting in, they'd be just sitting there, just staring off in space. They'd come up and say, hey, uh, nice message, what, you know, and leave. I want crying and lifting hands up to the Lord and wanting to confess sin. I, I want that, or I want people really, really mad. And hopefully both of them are happening at the same time. But it's the ones who do either, neither. That's the ones I'm most concerned about the people who are indifferent. 31, Proverbs 31. And you th- most people will say, well, what are you gonna get out of that? It's the Proverbs 31 woman. Well, that don't start right away. You gotta get all the way over to 10 before that starts up. So we're gonna be talking about uh, eight and nine, right before you get to that virtuous woman it says in 8, it's, it's very similar to what we just read in 24. Very similar. It says, open thy mouth for the dumb. Now, in the King James Bible, when you see the word dumb, that means you can't speak. Right? It's not, we use it differently today. We're just, oh, they're just, they're dumber than a bag of hammers. You know, when they do something really stupid. But that's not the correct way to use it. So, they're not able to speak. If you have a newer version of the Bible, it'll probably say that. Open thy mouth for the dumb in the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. See how it it lines up with what we read in 24? Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. So, those who are not able to speak they've been they've been shut up no you can't speak you can't defend yourself we're supposed to pick up on that and come to their aid and speak for them if they're not able are babies in the womb able to speak somebody has to speak for them 31. now if you notice that this is The words of King Lemuel, is it Lemuel? Huh? Lemuel? Lemuel. The prophecy that his mother taught him. So, this is directed at a king. So, it's the people in authority should definitely be wanting to protect their own people. So this is really directed to this king to open your mouth for those who cannot speak for themselves. The poor and the needy, no one listens to them. And you are over them as their king, you're supposed to be protecting them, not murdering them. The king should be a responsible spokesman. I'm reading out this commentary for all who cannot defend themselves and plead the cause of all who are left to die, he should speak up on behalf of the poor and needy. Yep. Not rent out billboards in other states and tell women they can come to his state so he can kill their babies. A governor should be protecting those who are not able to protect them. We had a governor before the governor we have now, that was the same way. <clears throat> there were horrible kings, Manasseh being one of them, that actually participated in taking the babies and throwing them into the fire of Molech. Horrible things. But th- that whole that was that's what it was for was for sacrificing the innocent by throwing them into that fire of that idol. So we need to pray that we will have leaders that will be more godly. I I think we have an election coming up really soon the midterms, and this is the most talked about midterm election I've ever heard about. This will be, it'll break records like crazy in voter turnout. Usually the voter turnout's not very good for midterms. Uh, This is going to break records, and one of the big issues that keeps being brought up is the issue of abortion. So, So Roe versus Wade was overturned in the supreme court and people have been told that their rights are being taken away from them that's what they're being told all right if you go back to 1973 the supreme court had no business whatsoever doing what they did that was very unconstitutional it took this long to have a supreme court with enough Justices to stand up and say, "What happened back then should have never happened, and we're correcting it now." Did it do, with that happening, with Roe v.ersus Wade being being taken away, did that do anything for Virginia, as far as the laws in Virginia? Did it do anything to keep babies from being aborted in Virginia? Absolutely nothing. But what it did do is you get a good leader in your state you get good representatives in your state and you could change it we have the ability to change it but when it when it got repealed it it did nothing for virginia right away you can do what you can abort as many babies as you want in virginia in california it's going to get worse it's going to continue to get worse in new york it'll get worse. Uh, I don't, I've never listened to any music or whatever this guy does, Kanye West. He, most people know the name, young people know him. He's a black man who I guess he's a rapper, maybe. I've never listened to anything he's done. But he was wearing, I think a shirt. What did it say? Well, that, I'm not talking about that. He's talking. He, he's talking about abortion. He was talking about abortion, and he gets. It was something that he did, and they said, "What kind of response do you get from people?" I think it was on a shirt. It was some, oh oh, it's something he wears, and it's a picture of an ultrasound of a baby inside the womb. All right, don't let me forget what I'm saying. I'm going back up to the, the the clinic right now. We're going back up there. In the exam room, they have this black box that they open up and it's got a little tiny figure of what the baby looks like at like four weeks old, and then what it looks like at six weeks old, and then eight, and how much bigger it is after just a week. So people, when they come in, they, they're looking. All right, you, you are now five weeks pregnant. This is what it looks like right now. And they got, the, it's like, so they, they have that. Now, so this ultrasound picture that he wears, and people ask, well, what's that? Well, that's the ultrasound of, my of, of, I guess it's his, ba- one of his kids. And see, it's a baby. How could you dare abort that? And, and they asked him. What kind, of, what kind of response do you get from people for wearing that around for that purpose? And he said, I really don't care what kind of response I get. All I care about is that there's more babies in New York that get aborted than get born. He said, what I, what I care about is that 50% of the African-American population was aborted. That's what I care about. I thought that was a really good answer. Really good answer. Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are here. We're, we're in Your Word, Father. We, we need to be people who know Your Word. Father, we need to speak Your Word. And, and, instead of getting angry and wishing bad on people who do evil, Father, we need to touch their hearts with Your Word. Father, I pray that we would be people who wouldn't be neutral. Father, that we wouldn't be people who would just hide, but that we would have a boldness about us just to speak Your simple, precious Word that anybody can understand. Father, that we would see the evil that's around us and the evil men, and we would have a heart of compassion for them knowing what their eternity is going to be. And that we would pray earnestly that they would see your way and that their way is leading them to a very bad place. Father, give us the strength to pray for those who need to be prayed for. Father, give us a voice for those who do not have a voice. Father, give us the boldness to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.